1: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont, Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont.
1: Welcome to Episode 47. Thank you all for joining me. Uh, Today's show is sponsored by PoganPole, the world's leading luxury kitchen brand. To find a design studio near you, visit PoganPole online at www.poganpole.com. Well, today we welcome back Lori Cheek of Cheeked. Lori was on the program last month and talked about her experience on Shark Tank, overcoming adversity, and what motivated her to leave her successful career as an architect and start and build Cheeked. So we welcome back Lori. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you. Uh,
1: Lori, I told you before the show started, but I just want to tell our listeners that after your show aired, over 10,000 people downloaded the episode either from www.understandingthelawradio.com or through iTunes. And we received over 75 questions that uh, our listeners wanted you to answer. So it was a very successful uh, show. A lot of people are really interested in what you have to say. Um, and what we've done today is we've pulled the top 12 questions that sort of um, are a recurring theme that were asked throughout the other questions. So by answering these 12 or as many as we can get through in a half an hour, uh, I think you're going to be answering the majority of the 75. So that's, that's really great. Perfect. All right, so let's just get right into it since we have you here for about 30 minutes. So this is uh, from Jessie from Pennsylvania. Um, And she says, I think it's a she, she says, the business world still seems to be male-dominated and makes me feel a little nervous about starting my own business. How do you deal with that? So first of all, Lori, do you think it's still a male-dominated business world?
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, the interesting thing is Even as an architect, when I entered my five-year degree in architecture school, my class had 64 people in it, and four of them were women and 60 were men. And so I feel like I kind of already had a training to, you know, kind of penetrate this male-dominated industry in technology and business. So I've just tried to make a a positive twist on it in that being a woman – I often make a joke that you don't have to wait in the bathroom lines and you kind of stand out because there's rarely many women, especially in the world of technology, which I've learned. But I think also the, the small community of women kind of band together in a stronger way than if there were tons of women in, in the community. And I feel like if you just find the, the right support group it can be very helpful. So I think it can almost be advantageous that we're a minority in, in the industry. And I, I wouldn't look at that as something to to uh, hinder you going into business at all because I look at it as, as a plus.
1: So her comment about feeling nervous, your advice to her is just push through it because it's okay?
2: Absolutely, yes.
1: Okay. All right, good. Okay, this is Mark from Santa Fe. Have you had success with Cheeked with the gay community? I think it's an awesome idea, and I can't wait to try it.
2: <laughs> it's so funny. This morning I just sent somebody our, our gay card that we had made for Gay Pride, and, you know, that's that's the thing about homosexuality. It's kind of uh, intimidating to walk up to someone that you don't know if they're also gay, but we've created a card that says, I am, are you? And I feel like it's a very subtle way of Of letting that person know if you are then I am too and they can it's very vague so they don't have to get offended by it and even on the other side for the promotion of of gay pride we had the apostrophe and the rainbow colors and you know we did a a daily deal kind of thing with a with a gay site in Washington DC I can't remember the name of the company at the moment but it was very successful. We' got tons of orders, and I mean that's the other nice thing about these the cards are non gender specific, and right. you can even customize them to say whatever you want. so we've definitely targeted the gay community as well.
1: yeah, so Mark seems uh, excited about it, and I, I encourage him to pick up a deck because i you know I think you're right. I think that it it will it, it work well for the gay community, so I think that's uh that's exciting all right we've got jennifer from buffalo and here's what she says she says laurie you're an inspiration for girl power how do i get the courage to start my baking business so i guess she wants to be um, a baker what do you have to say <laughs> to her
2: i just think if if you believe in anything and you believe in it the way that i believed in it i mean mine was kind of an accident you know i I didn't have this vision. It just kind of appeared in front of me, but I believed in it so much that I I surrendered everything. I mean, I've thrown everything away to build this business. When I think I've mentioned before, most people would have quit a long time ago. I just think if you power forward and, you know, every kind of hurdle just makes you stronger. And even to this day, four years in, sometimes I'm, I'm hitting these barriers and, when I thought there were no more mistakes I could make, I still hit them. And I I know from what I've been through that I can get over them and keep going, and I'm just stronger. And I feel like nothing can really break me down at, at this moment. And um, the, the decision to do my own thing has been the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life. It's just been so rewarding. And I feel like if, if you're passionate about your idea, I'd say go for it all the way and, and make sure you surround yourself with the, supportive network of people because you'll need them.
1: All right. Well, that's actually a great answer because it leads us into the next question, believe it or not. This is Carrie from Kansas City. She says, I started a photography business last year. I quit my job to do it, and in a year, I've only made a quarter of my salary that I used to make at my old job. What should I do? Do I quit my photography business? <laughs>
2: I mean, that really hits home because I've done some crazy things to keep my business going, and I haven't taken a salary in the past four years. I'm still not taking a salary. So even when I was on the Shark Tank, I think Kevin O'Leary looked at me and said, how are you living in New York City? But I am an architect. I've been very creative about how to keep funding my business and how to... uh, to live without any money and I mean I I used to work at Christian Dior so I dress like a million dollars but meanwhile people don't know what I'm actually doing in the real world to to keep this vision of mine alive but you know I've done um, I rented out my apartment on Airbnb and I hopped around on my friend's sofas for over a year and I made profit from from that that I put right back into the business I've done focus groups I've done secret shopping I mean, I've uh, I've entered a lot of contests, I enter sweepstakes all the time, and my friends make a joke that I've got lucky stars all over me because I'm always winning things. And <laughs> let's say if I win, I won a router at South by Southwest last year and I sold it on Amazon.com. I mean, I'm just very crafty about it. So I don't think you have to quit your dream. You you can just look for odds and ends kind of jobs to, to keep it alive and just keep focused in the midst of it. I mean, it's like juggling, but starting a business isn't easy. And it's just one of the obstacles you have to to face to, uh, to get successful one day. And I'm still on that vision myself.
1: I guess the key is that you've got to have that passion, because if you don't have the passion, then you don't have the desire to do what you've done to keep the dream alive. So I think that, you know, for someone like Carrie, if she has that passion... And really believes in her business, then you do what it takes and you don't give up. But if you are someone who just doesn't believe in yourself or doesn't believe in your own vision, then you probably should reconsider. But I think your advice to Carrie is is spot on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I look at my business as as almost a child. So I have this four year old, and I mean, what would you do to keep your child alive? You know, you'd, you'd make the sacrifices, and I think that building a business is just pretty much a parallel to, to making the sacrifices you would for, for someone that you love.
1: Uh, I've got to tell you this. I, know I didn't go over the questions with you before the show, but somehow you're managing to transition to the questions perfectly. <laughs> because
0: here's That's the funny.
1: next one from Mike from Park Ridge. My wife is against me starting a landscaping business. She says it's too risky. I know I can make it work, but I don't want to end up divorced over it. What do I do?
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a sensitive subject. Um, I think that it it is risky, so I wouldn't disagree with that in the least, but, you know, I think if you're involved with a partner, you've got to get them on your side before you start making risks. I mean, it's like gambling, and if, if you're... If your other half isn't a fan of it, strong probability that you might lose your other half in the midst of it. but I'd say um, to make some projections and and show your partner how how serious you are about it and how it could actually change your lives for the better. but I think you have to keep level headed about it that you know what I've been through, I'm sure if I'd started this when I was with someone, they would have thought I was crazy and said not do it but now where I am, I think people believe in me, but it does take a while to get from, from nothing to ramping up. So I just say try to get her on your side before, before you move forward.
1: I think uh, that it's really important that, that he understand that, you know, it is important to get someone that you're, it's, it's not like it's someone you just started dating and they're married. So you have to kind of take that risk together. It's very difficult to go all in if you don't have your significant other supporting you. But something you said is a really good suggestion, which is get all your facts together, get all your data, and then sit down with your spouse and say, listen, I know this is risky, but here's how I'm going to do it, here's what I plan on doing, and here's what I project we can make. You might have a better chance of swaying her. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is a good one. This is Lara. Lara from Texas. I'm a kitchen designer and I went out on my own two years ago. I started out being nice and sweet, but realized that the only way to get respect from my clients and vendors was to be a bitch. Do you agree?
2: (laughs) 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 Um, I don't know about that so much. I mean, I I think running a business you can easily get taken advantage of, so you've got to have your wits about you, but I think there's a, a nice way to kind of be a bitch, and you just have to let your vendors know that you're on your toes and that you're not about to get taken advantage of. I mean, trust me, I've—I feel like fifty thousand dollars I've invested in my business has gone into a paper shredder because I may not have been as aggressive as I should have been. But I think there's a, a pleasant way to to be aggressive and you know not make enemies because even my my technology teams in the past it's almost like they're the surgeon so it's it's you don't want to be mean to your, the surgeon because they can really wreck things for you so i think there's a a, a nice way to to go about being
1: i a think big. what you said you know i think assertive is the is the way you want to go i think that uh, you can be strong you can stand your ground you can be assertive but you don't have to be nasty because that's only going to drive customers and vendors way but you know I, I think that being a bitch and frightening people having people fear you is not as good as having people respect you
2: exactly and i think that
1: respect comes from being assertive and confident not from being nasty
2: yes like you want them to want to succeed with you and for you
1: yeah so lara ramp it down a notch um okay <laughs> we've got uh, kenny from glens falls new york how do you hire good employees? I follow the rules, interview, review resumes, background checks, etc., but always end up with losers that quit or I have to fire. What am I doing wrong?
2: I mean, just like my business, it's all about the real-world interaction and, you know, often when I get a resume, I'll scan over it to make sure the the person's been around the block or, ba- or back and uh but I don't really pay much attention to what's in writing. I'm always about the real-life connection, and I make sure that I meet the person, and I, I judge them based on their energy and how we communicate together. And, I mean, I think it goes miles, this in-person interaction, so I don't know if, if he's had an issue with people that he's hired over the phone or based on phone interviews or paying attention to resumes, but I think um, you've got to trust your gut just like getting into any kind of relationship and, uh, watch out for some flags early on. And,
1: you know, everything that
2: happens in an interview, it's like that first impression. So I think you've got to pay close attention to to everything that's happening from, from the minute you meet the person.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you because in, in our business, you know, we see a lot of people, a lot of attorneys that come in and they might look great on paper, but you know, when you sit down with them, you have a gut feeling. And I always tell people that, uh, are asking me, go with your gut, because it really does, um, I think, it's the best judge, because people can look great on paper, and people can even do a really great job at an interview, but if you're not feeling it, if there's something that's not clicking with you, then don't be swayed just because on paper they look great.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd hired, the only person I've ever hired that I had an issue with he came from the Netherlands to do an internship, and I hired him over the phone. And, I mean, he could have been 19 years old and came and worked for me, and he started telling me how I needed to run my business. And it was like, there's a the boss here. <laughs> anyway, it didn't work out. And I felt horribly because he'd come from the Netherlands, but I'd try to get him another job somewhere else and see if he was that person I'd like, be embossed around.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, this one is Stacy from Nevada. I run a designer cookie business. I started it last year, and I'm still working out of my house, so I don't have a storefront. Is it okay to make myself look bigger on the Internet than what I really am? What do you think about that?
2: I'm a huge fan of fake it till you make it. I say, you know, blast it out on social media. I mean, I've been known to do some, some campaigns that make cheeks look bigger than we really are. Like I've had some, a graphic designer do skywriting for us. Like we have a, a jet that's written, you've been cheeked in the sky kind of things. And we've made fake billboards on graphic design, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, the one advantage of that is not having a storefront. You've got less overhead, so you're making more profits from your from your business. And you may find that that's how you want to do that. And I mean, finding other re- re- other retailers to to sell your product is a great way to do it as well. And um, yeah, I think in the meantime, building your your community on social media could help you when you ultimately do get a storefront. So I say stick in there and and just make it as big as you can while, while you don't have that.
1: I think the only caveat I'd add to that is that you need to have the product or the, the skill to back it up. So I completely agree with you. Fake it till you make it, but make sure that you have a product that can back up the claims. Because
2: then yes, you're going to get exactly. yourself in trouble. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Martin from Tampa. How do I use Facebook to get customers? I post stuff and I get nowhere. No one comments or nothing. Is social media BS? That's I mean, a common I don't question. Because, but people, that's a common theme. People don't understand how people like yourself utilize social media and actually get business out of it because it, it's, it blows people's minds for some reason.
2: Well, I think your presence on social media can't just be about, oh, hey, buy my cookies. You know, like if you have a cookie company or a lipstick company or whatever it is, it's got to become almost like a person. So the, the character you build behind your brand, I mean, with Cheeked, it, it's been very easy. You know, we've got a flavor, we've got a character, we've got a brand, and we try to drive that through, and it's it's four years of personality, and we don't sway from that one bit. So, I mean, even if you've got like a, a bicycle tire business, there's got to be something kind of flavorful or unique about the content that you're posting on social media and you know, even Pinterest has been an amazing tool to drive traffic to our site and, you know, people love images and and just starting to create a a, a flavor or a personality behind imagery for your business has you know, it's been very fruitful for cheat and I would suggest, you know, just trying to, to keep building users and maybe even hiring some young interns to help you out on social media that that are are good at it. You know, I think kids these days know a lot more about it than than the older community. So I'm, I'm a true. fan of it all.
1: No, I think it's that's very good advice. I think that if you don't know how to do it, bring somebody in and let them show you how to do it because social media is not an overnight thing. It takes time. It's just like a relationship that you have in the real world. You need to take the time to nurture the relationship that you have with the people online. It's not an overnight success.
2: Right. And I think you even have to follow other people, follow similar brands and see what they're doing to successfully convert users as well. So you have to pay attention to the competition and I mean, like, I look at my favorite brands. Like, I love American Express, Nike, Apple, and I look what they're doing, and I, I, I follow them as they're almost like mentors in the world of social media to me.
1: Yeah, don't recreate the wheel. Look, look at people and try to model what they're doing. Pick and choose what works for you. That's great advice, Lori. Yeah. All right, this is uh, Jessa, and Jessa's from New Jersey. How do you deal with the ups and downs of business? Some days I'm super high and other days it seems like I totally suck at what I do.
2: I mean, I feel like, (laughs) I mean, I say it all the time, you know, building a business is not easy. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And there seem to have been more downhill drags than uphill drags for me, but you know, when it starts finally going uphill, it's more rewarding than 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 anything. And you've just got to take it as it comes. And still, if you believe in it, you've got to understand that there are going to be bad days, tough times. I mean, it's just like any kind of relationship or going through life, period. There's There's all kinds of bad things that are going on out there, but you just have to have the power to overcome and keep positive about it. And and use every bad thing as, as, a, as a positive learning experience.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, looking at it in a, in a positive spin, looking at it as a challenge or a learning experience will help you get over that hurdle. All right, we've got two more, so I want to try to get through them before you have to run. Uh, this is Dennis. We don't know where Dennis is from. Uh, he has a limited advertising budget, like around $700 per month, he says. My friends tell me to do television commercials which are a little more than my budget, but I could swing it. But the shows or the commercials won't be on until after midnight, a few nights per week. What do I do? So I guess he's got a limited advertising budget. His friends are telling him buy TV advertising, but the, I guess the television uh, stations are telling him that because I guess it's a low budget, you'll be on after midnight, and he wants to know what you think he should do. Yeah, I don't
2: know if that's the wisest way to spend that kind of budget. And, you know, four years into my business, I haven't spent a dime on advertising. And just like I mentioned before, I think the power of social media is free advertising. And I've, I haven't even paid for Facebook ads yet, but I do think they're well worth your money or Google AdWords, um uh, even just trying to get press around it. You know, I've made this business international without a single dollar spent on advertising. So there are many other ways to go about it and maybe don't even spend that budget and put it into something else. But I would highly recommend Facebook ads beyond an after-hours television ad because I don't know if that's the target market for what he's doing, but right. I think it can be more wisely spent on the Internet.
1: You, you should consider writing a book because getting nat- national attention, the way that you've built the business, the way that you you know you search your name on the internet and there's pages and pages of you and you haven't spent any money on advertising. I could just see the title of that book: How to Become Well Known Without Spending a Dime. So think about yeah. that, Lori. Right. <laughs> You're not right.
2: the first person to say that. I just no really. I, I I could see it.
1: All right. Here's the last question. Uh, This is from Llewellyn. We don't know where Llewellyn is from. I had a cleaning business for five years. It was so stressful and the worst. Now I work for a company and just get my paycheck. Why do you even bother to start a business? That's a common question, too. You know, what do you think about that?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I used to make about $120,000 a year. So I had a good life. You know, I was taking myself out for dinner I'd get invited to weddings all over the world, and I'd book my trips, and I didn't have to depend on a man. You know, I I made a living for myself, and I had a great life, and then I came up with this idea, and crazily, I thought I was going to be a billionaire in a matter of minutes, and it's definitely not how it's worked. I mentioned earlier that I haven't taken a salary in four years, but there's something that's recreated a reality for me, and, you know, the the lack of money and i mean i just think it humbled me in so many different ways i feel like i'm i'm such a stronger person that i've been able to fight through this and again it was an accident but still somehow this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and i'm very passionate about what i'm doing i mean i had a cool career before as an architect but now i'm doing something that involves bringing human beings together and i just believe in this vision of mine so strongly, and um, hopefully it's going to change other people's lives as well, so that's why I've built my business, and I just think you have to again believe in it as much as as much as you can to even want to succeed yeah,
1: not everybody is suited for running their own business, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it's just part of a person's makeup that they either you know are entrepreneurial or they're not, and if you're not, then embrace what you're good at but um, I think you definitely have to be the right kind of person to endure the stresses, failures, and whatnot of, of being a, an entrepreneur.
2: Definitely not for everyone. <laughs>
1: All right, well, Lori, I know you have to run. I know you have a busy schedule today. I want to thank you so much for coming back on and answering these questions. I know the people that ask them will be thrilled, and I'm sure that we're going to have a tremendous response uh, like we did last time. Before we do go, I want to ask you, what's new, what's going on with Cheat, um, and then obviously let people know where they can follow you and, and get the Cheat cards. Um, so what's new? What's going on? What do we have to look forward to?
2: So, you know, there's all kinds of neat technologies coming out on mobile and it seems to be the, the path that all these dating sites are taking. So we have an app in the in the uh, Android and Apple store right now so you can download the app and you can buy your cards, your physical cards at cheek.com, that's C-H-E-E-K-D.com, and you can activate those on your app and you can even search for other users nearby on your app now. But, you know, we just want to ramp up our, our app a little bit so it becomes kind of the, the Porsche of dating apps. So we've hired, in my mind, who are the hottest app developers in America, they're fueled out of New York City, and you walk in their office, and it looks like you've walked into Ralph Lauren, and it's like eight of the hippest-looking guys I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and I think if they put their, their hip magic onto our app, we're going to have something pretty cool in a matter of eight to ten weeks, so keep an eye out for us, but in the meantime, you can uh, just go ahead and get your physical cards and spot intriguing strangers and hand, hand out your card and hopefully you'll have a love connection.
1: Well, that's great. Lori, where can people follow you? Obviously, Cheek.com. How can they get in touch with you if they have questions?
2: So if you want to email me personally, you can reach out at Lori, L-O-R-I, at com. You can follow us on Twitter at Cheek and Facebook at Cheek. And I'm just cheek on Facebook and LoriCheekNYC on Twitter. And I'd be happy to to follow up with anyone if you have any further questions or uh, if you just want to get Cheeked.
1: All right, and if your question wasn't asked or answered on today's show, please feel free to contact Lori directly. Lori, thank you so much. I wish you the best success. Keep in touch, check in, let us know so we can update our listeners as to what's going on with Cheeked.
2: I absolutely will. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Okay, Bye-bye.
1: All right, so uh, that was great. We had, I think, some very good answers from Lori. What I'd like to do is I would just like to go through some of the questions again. I didn't want to interrupt um, and, and interject too much, but I just want to just give uh, some additional information, at least my perspective on, on some of the uh, the questions. And I have to say that I think Lori was spot on. She hit all of the uh, the points that I would make, but I just want to put my personal spin on, on some of them so let's just go through it quickly um, what I want to talk about basically is the questions concerning failure and uh, how you overcome it because that's a recurring theme through all the questions that we receive and it's also a recurring theme that we receive uh, from from listeners and viewers of the of the video program which is on our YouTube channel um, how do you deal with with failure because it's out there well I just want to talk about that for, for a short period of time I think it really depends on what you as an individual choose to focus on because if you choose to focus on the negative elements of what happens to you then you can very easily fall into the trap of I've got bad luck everything bad happens to me this is terrible my business isn't a success." I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not good at what I do. All of these negative emotions and feelings. And it has a direct impact on you, on your, your business. And I'm not a psychologist, but I've been in this field long enough to see how successful companies, whether you're a startup or you're coming back from adversity and you're, you're building your business back up, how the people that are successful look at problems, if you want to call them problems. I know there are some people that we work with that refuse to even say the word problem. They just refer to it as a challenge. Nothing's a problem. It's always a challenge. How do we overcome this challenge? And for some people that works. For other people, you know, they like to use the word problem. I'm not uh, so much of a believer in changing the, the word to make it more positive. But what I am a believer in is changing your attitude. If you have a problem, call it whatever you want, but it's some hurdle. It's something in your way. And you have to find a way around it. You know, it's as if you were taking a drive uh, out West, for example, and you're on route 80 going out West and there's a giant tree that's blocking the road. So you have two options. You either sit there and say, man, this sucks. I can't get the tree out of my way and I'm not going to make it to my destination. Or you find an alter- alternate route. And that really is something that is, uh, you know, a-, a trait that that people have. You can develop that trait. You can develop a way of um, getting around problems and, and finding solutions. So it really is up to you to make the conscious decision that, you know, hey, listen, I know that there will be adversity. There is adversity in everyday life. Every single day, something negative happens to you. Whether you lock your keys in the car, you get splashed by a bus as they're driving down the street and, and, and on a rainy day, you, you know have a problem at work, you don't respond to an email, whatever it might be, there's always adversity. Now, obviously, there's some levels of adversity, which are worse. But it really depends on how you put your focus on that problem or challenge. If you focus on the negative aspects of it, if you focus on I can't move forward because here's the tree, then you sort of shut down and your brain doesn't look at, well, okay, yes, this, this is blocking my way. What's the solution? What do I do? That's when you become creative. So shift your focus. Don't focus on the negative. Acknowledge the fact that there is some impediment, something blocking your, your way of moving forward and, and open your mind up and say, okay, it's there. I know it's there. How can we fix it? There are people that you can study. There are entrepreneurs and successful business owners, you know, that when you look at their stories, you wonder, how the heck did you become successful? Look at all the problems you had or have. How did you do it? And I think the recurring theme, the thing that you're going to learn about these successful people are that they embraced whatever the negative was, and looked past it, used it as a springboard to get around it, to figure out what they could do to make things better and to make it work. And this ties into something else that Lori was talking about. When she was answering questions about, um, you know, I, I met with adversity, I feel like I'm no good, I don't know if I should close my business, and then the other questions concerning I'm not making any profit, maybe I should close my business, Lori talked about her passion for Cheeked. And I think that passion is so severely underrated when you're looking at the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I think that really the heart of the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, which is a a term of art that's used uh, in, in literature on TV, I really think that the heart of it is passion. Because if you believe in what you're doing, then it doesn't make a difference if 100 people or 100 million people tell you you're wrong, you will move forward. So I want to talk about that passion for a minute. Being passionate about something will help you, I think, get over the hurdle of negativity. I'm so passionate about what I do, what my business is, and I know because I don't stick my head in the sand. I know that there will be problems, adversities, challenges, whatever you call them. But I I believe so strongly in what I'm doing that I will overcome them. You know, it's the attitude that a lot of, of world-class athletes have. It's the attitude that people who are injured have. I've seen stories where you have an individual who was um, paralyzed as the result of a car accident or uh, operations in the military, overseas, they get injured and they come back and, and you can see the difference between the people that sit in their wheelchair and wither away and those people who say, I will walk again and whether they do or don't, they've got that, that warrior spirit, that fighting spirit that keeps them you know, moving forward. It's that passion to want to succeed at what you're doing. So I think that a critical element to being an entrepreneur, to owning a business is having the passion because you're going to have adversity every single day. And if you don't have that passion, then you're not going to be able to focus on the positive elements of what you're doing. All you're going to be able to see is the negative. And then these problems that are in your way will become insurmountable and you will never push past them. And and that's something that it's a skill that can be learned, but passion's not something that can be learned. Passion's not something that can be created. You are either passionate about what you're doing or you're not. And I don't think that it's necessarily um, a personal trait. I don't think that necessarily passion is a trait that you either have or don't have. I think that everyone has passion. It's a matter of finding what you're passionate in. And for those of you out there that say, I I don't have a passion. I just, you know, I want to go to work every day, get my paycheck, come home. You have a passion. There's something that you love to do. It doesn't necessarily mean that you should go out and start a business built around it. But don't think that you don't have passion. You could be passionate about food. You could be passionate about collecting toys or baseball cards. Passionate about dancing and singing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be uh, dancing with the stars or, or recording with, with uh, you know, Mariah Carey, but it's your passion. So I don't think that uh, passion is something that people are either born with or not. I think that, that warrior spirit, that element of uh, being able to deal with negativity is something that can be learned as well but I do think that being passionate about the thing that, that you love and um, dealing with adversity, work hand-in-hand hand with one another, they, they both help you to overcome problems. One element that I think is something that's more of an innate quality is the ability to take risks. You know, Lori talked about the fact that she left a, a very lucrative job as an architect and has not taken a salary for four years, and she explained how she's making money to fund the business. And some of you might think to yourselves, oh my God, that's that's crazy. Why would anyone do that? But it's because she's got a passion. She believes so strongly in her business that she's willing to do whatever it takes. If you don't have that, that ability to handle the possibility of failure... Because I am also a believer that failure does exist. It's what you do with that failure. Maybe you have a product that fails. Do you quit? I I say no. You have to figure out why it failed. Fix it so that you can come back with a better product or a service or whatever it might be. But I'm not going to say that there's no such thing as failure because, yes, Things don't work. You have to be flexible enough to shift your focus and to see what's working and what's not working and then move forward into a direction that gets you where you want to be. But that element of risk-taking and, um, and, and dealing with fear in general, I think is something that's more innate. If you are not a risk-taker by nature, The likelihood that you are going to be successful as an entrepreneur um, is relatively low because that fear, that fear of taking risks, fear of the unknown is something that's going to be such a huge hurdle that no matter how passionate you are and no matter how well you've learned to deal with problems and adversity, you're always going to be shackled by the fear of taking a risk, well, you know I could do this, but this is what 's going to happen, or this could happen and and when you know you are thinking along those lines you 're never going to succeed, and there are a lot of people out there that don 't want to take risks, and There are a lot of people that I have counseled and coached and worked with who have these great plans of starting a business uh, or entering into a partnership with somebody. And when you sit down and you, and you listen to the way that they are approaching the idea of starting a business, there's no excitement. There's no passion. There's fear. Well, you know, I want to do this, but I don't know. And, and there's a difference. There's a distinction between being nervous and being fearful about starting something new, but having such strong passion and belief that regardless of what you're feeling, Fear-wise, you still want to push forward with it because you know, the passion, the drive outweighs the fear. But individuals that I've, I've dealt with in the past who you, know, you, you sit down with them, you spend a lot of time with them, and then you realize, hey, wait a minute. You, know, you haven't said, I'm excited about this. You haven't said, this is going to be great. You haven't said, I know that I'm afraid, but it's going to be worth it. You know, instead, the comments have been, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know that I'm able to take risks. I'm not a good decision maker. This sounds good. I'd really like it because I think I can make some money, but I don't know. You know, what if I do this and and I fail miserably? You know, everyone's going to say I'm a loser. I should probably, I don't know, maybe I've got to think about this more. That's the kind of stuff that I hear. And I say to these people, look, you've You've brought me in to help you develop your business, and you've asked for my honesty and my experience and i 'm going to tell you that i don't think you're there yet. The opportunity might be there. the desire might be there, but it's not strong enough it's not strong enough to overcome your fear of risk taking and there are some people who no matter how much time has passed they just Don't have that innate quality, and it is okay. Those those of you out there that don't like to take risks, that that don't want to chance something like Lori did with a one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year job into you know building a business from the ground up, not taking a salary for four years. It's okay. You don't have to feel badly about yourself. Being a business owner, being an entrepreneur is not easy and it's not for everyone. Some people are quite content going to work, doing the best they can, collecting their paycheck and spending time at home with their family. That's totally okay. So don't let anybody tell you that what you're doing is not good or that an entrepreneur is better than you. It's not true. It's just your personality. And the key is success when determining whether or not You should go out and venture off on your own. You have to look within yourself and say, is this for me? Honesty with yourself is critical. Be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you will fail and you will lose money. So I think that that's uh, a very important lesson to learn from this. Uh, And now I want to talk about another answer that Lori gave, and it's the question that we had about the uh, kitchen designer who claims that she's more successful by being a bitch versus being, uh, I think she said nice and sweet. Well, you know, let's just call it what it is. If you're a bitch, as you put it, you will not sustain growth. You will not have a successful business as the years go on because, Um, whether it's in the legal industry or anywhere else, if you're dealing with somebody who is so abusive and nasty and unfriendly and unhelpful and just difficult to deal with, you might deal with them once or twice, but at some point you're always going to be looking for somebody else to replace them, and you'll find them. There are a lot of lawyers that we've heard from our clients who they've worked with in the past, and uh, uh, this one story in particular was a, a gentleman who had come into our office to meet with our bankruptcy department, and he had a prior bankruptcy attorney. And the attorney had worked with him for about three months and did not do anything for him and took a lot of money from him. And uh, you know the client went to him because he had a reputation of being a very successful bankruptcy attorney. But when the client got there, and this is not to knock the attorney because I'm sure he is quite successful, the guy was so nasty to him, so dismissive, he collected his money and sent him on his way and then would never take his phone calls. But at this point, he's you know trapped. He paid He paid this attorney. He hired him because of his reputation. And now he finds out that the guy is not... Um, providing the level of support that he or any other reasonable person, for that matter, needs. And so ultimately he broke away and he came to our office and he sat down with us and he said, this guy was such a jerk. So even that strong reputation that that lawyer had about being a very successful bankruptcy attorney does not overrule, um, I think, the impact of his nasty attitude. So, you know, that question was, is uh, interesting because I've heard that a lot. I've heard it so many times, especially from women who, um, you know, do feel that they're in a male-dominated business world, especially in uh, various industries. You know, for example, um, obviously uh, secretarial worlds and, and, and things like that. You might say, oh, well, uh, the majority of the people that work in that field are women but what about being a contractor? I've, I've worked with women who own their own contracting business, and they're always looked at like, are you kidding me? You know, you're a woman and you're a contractor, so what? That's what I say, so what? But these people are assertive, not nasty. Nasty means no business. Assertive is what you want to be. Bullied. Don't be dismissed. But don't be nasty about it. Deal with it in a professional manner. Let people know that, hey, look, I've got the qualifications, I've got the skill. And if you don't like my gender, well, then hire somebody else. But you don't have to be abusive. And the only reason that I'm, I'm even saying abusive is because the question mentions being a bitch. And so in my mind, when I think of that that word, I think of somebody who is Uh, Not assertive, but is just nasty. So I strongly suggest that you reevaluate how you are treating your clients and your vendors because at some point you won't have clients and you won't have vendors. All right. um, I just want to give you my input on the how do you hire good employees. Carefully, that's how. And you're not always going to strike gold. And it's not always going to be your fault because sometimes you just don't know how good or bad a person is until you work with them. There's no way, right? And We, we do a lot of human resources training. I'm a certified human resources um, manager uh, and we have a lot of the uh, human resource elements of our practice that, that we, we share with our clients. We run human resources departments for a number of companies, and so we deal with or educate our clients on hiring and firing and how to interview and background checks and that sort of thing. And, you know, sometimes you can do everything right. Like the gentleman that asked the question, I do everything right, but I don't get quality employees. Sometimes it's just the way it is because on paper, the resume looks great. It's everything that you want it. You do a background check, and they check out. They're exactly the right fit. You interview them, and you love them. You hire them. They're here a month, and all of a sudden, you realize that this person is not what you thought. And I'll tell you, this happens all the time, and it's okay. And it's not something that you should beat yourself up over because sometimes people are good at manipulating at acting, at convincing other people that they're right for the job. So don't be mad at yourself. You know when you're mad at, when you should be mad at yourself? When you don't do your due diligence when you hire an applicant. You don't interview them in person. You don't really look at their resume. You don't do a background check. You don't get enough interaction with that person to make a determination. That's when you should be mad at yourself, right? Oh, if somebody called in and they want a job, okay, hire them. That's stupid. I hate to say that, but it is. You have to do some work on an applicant before you can decide whether or not they're right for you. But if everything else checks out and you get you know, the wool pulled over your eyes by somebody who's not what they said they, they are, don't beat yourself up. Don't be mad at yourself. But you know what you need to do? Deal with it. Deal with that situation immediately. When you learn someone is not the right fit, personality-wise, skill-wise, don't let them hang on. Let them go. Be honest with them. Tell them. I'm letting you go because you can't do the job. It's just not working out. Our personalities clash. You know, any of these things. Because the longer you hold on to that person, the worse it's going to be for you. I remember years ago, um, when I first started my career, I was I was on Wall Street. And we had, it was a very large, large international firm that I was with. And we had, you know, I don't know, 75 or 80 secretaries in the New York office. And you would you would have these hiring committees that would make a determination whether or not you as a secretary was going to be uh, hired. So it wasn't just up to the individual attorney who was going to be working with the individual. It was a multi-step hiring process. It took like a month to make a decision whether or not to hire somebody. Uh, some might say it was overkill. Even when you've got that sort of, of process in place, you still come up with People who have fooled you. I remember in particular a woman who claimed that she could type. Uh, it was some astronomical amount of words per minute because back when I started my career, um, there was primarily dictation being done by attorneys. There were not a lot of attorneys who were typing. I mean, I remember some secretaries that were still using typewriters. So, um, the idea of dictation was really important because you dictate onto a micro cassette and then the secretary would have to pop that cassette in and then type what you had dictated. So that was a critical component of what secretaries did on that Wall Street firm. And I remember in particular this woman was great because after she had met the first two levels of screening, she was presented to the entire litigation department. And we all were, you know, there. We met with her as a team. And then we had to kind of rate what we thought about her. And I remember after the woman left, everyone said, oh, she'll be great. She's going to fit in perfectly. So this woman comes in, starts, and I swear it was like she had never seen a typewriter in her life. It took her so long to type it, anything. And it became readily apparent that, hey, you fooled us all. And I remember when, when she was fired, the management committee saying, okay, from now on, we're going to have everyone take a typing test. You know, and, and sometimes that's okay, but sometimes that's not the greatest thing to do either. I and mean, how much time can you possibly spend with a potential candidate? Uh, you can't spend three months trying to figure out if they're right. Sometimes you just have to you know, roll the dice, make the call. But my point is, don't beat yourself up if you get hoodwinked. Just take action and get rid of the issue. Resolve it. Tell the person that, you know, you're sorry, it doesn't work out, and move on. When you're stupid is when you continue to employ that person because it's only going to get worse for you. So that is my two cents Um, I think that Lori did a very good job of answering the other questions. Remember, if you do have additional questions or if your question was not answered or asked on air today, you can contact Lori directly. She gave you her contact information uh, earlier in the show. We'll post it on our YouTube channel when the video of this broadcast comes up, down in the uh, description section so that you can contact Lori from there. Before we go today, I want to uh, remind everybody that if you go to our website, which is www.understandingthelawradio.com, which will be undergoing a massive overhaul in the next few weeks, uh, there is a link on the upper right-hand side of the page to download our app from iTunes. And it's an app that works with iPhones and iPads. I can't, you know, tell you enough about this app, and obviously it's our app, so, you know, I am I'm, I am proud of it, but it really does have um, a, a, a benefit to people out there. How many times have you wanted to ask a lawyer a legal question, but you don't want to come in for a consultation, you don't want to call a lawyer on the phone, because most of them are nasty or won't answer you, and you don't want to pay somebody to answer your question because it 's just a simple question or something that you just need to know you know to have have answered, and what do you do? You end up looking on Google, you end up finding a hundred different uh, answers, some are by paralegals, some are by a lawyer, some are not by anybody of any knowledge of the law so this app its purpose is to solve that problem while it also gives you the ability to view our videos and our informational and instructional videos, as well as episodes of Understanding the Law, uh, the primary function of the app is to allow you to ask legal questions through your phone, through your iPad, and have them answered by an attorney, either myself or another attorney in our office. And every question will be answered. And it is not the kind of thing where you're going to get an answer that says, please call our office. You need to hire an attorney. That's not what we're about. That's not what this is for. We give you a comprehensive answer to your questions. Sure, there might be times where after we give you the the answer, we say it's recommended that you hire an attorney, but we're not soliciting you. We're not saying hire us. If you want to, that's great, but that's not the, the, the service that we're providing here with the app. Download the app, ask your questions, and you will get answers you will get answers from attorneys not from paralegals not from secretaries not from anyone other than a licensed attorney so i encourage you to do that you can search it in the itunes store in the app store uh, just search our, our firm name law offices of peter j lamont or peter lamont and you'll come up with the app it's a free app and i think that you'll benefit from it So I would like to thank everyone for tuning in today. I'd like to thank again our sponsor, PogenPoll. Again, you can visit them online at www.pogenpoll.com. We will be on next Thursday, and look for exciting format changes coming in the next few weeks. Uh, We're going to try to do something a little bit different with Understanding the Law Radio, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get video of the shows after they air, and um, obviously visit us online at understandingthelawradio.com. Subscribe uh, to, our, to our feed, and call in, ask questions, and you know we can talk about these things on air. So I'd like to thank you again. Uh, remember that there's power in understanding the law.
2: For tickets, T-shirts, and everything you need to rock. But what you really get is so much more.
1: FedEx. Delivery.
2: Passion. What we deliver by delivering.